The Score Fantasy Football Podcast is brought to you by The Score Bet. Choose from a comprehensive range of bet types, including money line, point spreads, totals, futures, odds boosts, parlays, props, teasers, and round robins. Download now on iOS and Android, available in Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, New Jersey, 21+. plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, contact 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, or 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. Visit thescore.bet for more details. Now let's get to the show. Welcome everyone to the Score Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host Justin Boone. Appreciate you joining me today. This is normally one of my favorite shows of the year since we have so many free agents changing teams. So much to figure out in terms of new fantasy values, all the players that are impacted. But truth be told, it's been fairly quiet so far. We're recording this Wednesday morning. Definitely been a busy couple days for sure. There just haven't been that many major signings so far. I mean, are you that excited about... Christian Kirk to the Jags or DJ Chark to the Lions. I'm not. I mean, they got potential in those spots, but they aren't likely to be the kind of players that I'm going out of my way to draft this year. We got a few running backs that landed in some good situations. We're going to talk about all of them. Maybe the most important thing this time of year is just paying attention to some of those smaller signings that go under the radar, especially when we're talking about running backs, because We know it only takes an injury or two and all of a sudden those guys can become big time fantasy assets. And that's why I kind of changed up the format of my daily free agency articles this year. I'm writing up all the big notable signings at the top, even including some early 2022 projections. And then at the bottom, I'm giving you my quick thoughts on all the minor moves that day, like Deonta Foreman getting signed by the Panthers last night could be an interesting one for fantasy, but we're going to talk more about that in a second on today's show. I'm going to run through what I believe to be the 10 most important moves that have happened so far in free agency, and then we're going to hit on the best players still available as of Wednesday morning. We should see a couple more guys get signed today, I would imagine. Might even get the Deshaun Watson trade coming down either today, tomorrow. That should be soon, and that's one that is definitely going to have some massive ramifications depending where he goes, and apparently it's all in his hands now since he has the no trade clause. According to reports... The Saints are the favorites at the moment. He's also met with the Panthers, the Browns, and he's supposed to meet with the Falcons today. And Watson's meetings might have been the final straw for Baker Mayfield, too. We're seeing all these different things happen. Mayfield tweeted out this big, sad, almost a a goodbye to Cleveland last night. So sure seems like he expects to be traded. The drama, it just never ends in the NFL offseason. And I better get on with the show here because if I don't, we're liable to have a, a ton more signings happen, maybe even some of those trades while we're recording here. So let's get to it. The most notable free agent moves so far in order of importance. And we got to start off at number one, James Conner returning to Arizona without Chase Edmonds around. I really thought that going back to the Cardinals would be the best move for Conner. We saw what he could do last year. Not the biggest sample size, but five games was more than enough to see. I mean, early in the season, he was splitting time with Edmonds. Really, most of his fantasy value was coming from all the the touchdowns he was scoring. But then when we saw Edmonds miss time in the second half of the year, Connor just went off. 572 yards from scrimmage, 24 receptions, 
and seven touchdowns from week nine to week 14. He averaged 25.8 fantasy points per contest during that stretch. That was second only to Jonathan Taylor. Now, I'm not suggesting that that is going to be the Connor that we see for an entire season. We know health-wise when the Steelers tried to make him their lead back, their bell cow, he did not hold up. Maybe the fact that he was splitting with Edmonds for a big part of last season, maybe that allowed him to stay on the field and stay healthy. I'm not 100% sure. What I do know is that I am looking at him in this offense. If they don't go out and add anyone else in free agency, if they don't spend big and use a day one or a day two pick on a running back, Connor right now looks like a guy that is going to be at worst a high-end RB2 in fantasy this season. And really, if he could stay healthy, has a shot to be an RB1. Now, Eno Benjamin is there. And it's kind of interesting because he could step into that Edmonds role. But Eno Benjamin, not a guy that's going to take over that job. Or I don't think he's going to turn it into a 50-50 split or anything like that. So really, this is just a great situation for Connor. And after what we saw of him in this offense last year, I love his fantasy outlook for 2022. Number two on my list as far as most important free agent moves so far, we're going to kind of tie into that one, Chase Edmonds signing with Miami. So like I said, Edmonds not going back to the desert. Instead, he signs with the Dolphins. This was one of the most coveted landing spots for running back this offseason. Not a ton on their depth chart. They have a lot of backs, but not really anyone that stands out. I know some people really like Miles Gaskin. New head coach Mike McDaniel from the reports that we heard wasn't really sold on him being the guy. So you kind of expected that they were going to go out and get someone, maybe a couple new backs this offseason. We could still see them go to the draft and try to find somebody. But right now, Edmonds, who's going to turn 26 in April, he's going to be the guy. He hasn't really proven himself as a full-time starter in the league. And he's not the biggest back, 5'10", 210 pounds. But we've seen some smaller ball carriers really excel in the Shanahan system. I mean, just think recently, Elijah Mitchell, 5'10", 200 pounds. Raheem Mostert, 5'10", 205, even going back to Matt Breda, 5'10", 195. So I think there's still a good chance that in the draft, they're going to look at maybe trying to bring in a bigger back that they can pair with Edmonds. But I mean, just looking at Edmonds' pass-catching skills alone, that's going to make him pretty intriguing for fantasy. 96 receptions over the last two years. Miami still has some work to do in the offensive line, but I think right now you can confidently select Edmonds as that mid to low end RB2, and then we'll see what happens in terms of the rest of free agency in the draft. We'll see what Miami does and who else they bring in, but I think he's got a shot to lead this backfield in touches this year, and I think he's going to be a pretty intriguing name in fantasy drafts this offseason. Now, number three in terms of most important free agent moves so far I'm looking at Russell Gage here, and we could kind of tie this into Tom Brady coming back. I mean, I didn't write anything about Brady returning to the Bucs because this one, it just seems fairly obvious, right? Brady's back. It's going to be status quo. Same thing we've seen the last couple years. Extremely high passing volume. Going to be one of the better offenses in the league. It's great news for Godwin and Evans and everybody who's going to be in this offense. And now Russell Gage is going to be one of those players. I thought that he was going to go back to the Falcons. I mean, when you look at the Falcons depth chart, it seemed like they needed receivers bad. Gage was strong for them down the stretch last year. Posted 50 yards and or a touchdown in six of his last seven outings. That resulted in the 17th most fantasy points per game for wideouts during that span. So really nice production from him. Now he's going to go to Tampa where he's going to take over that Antonio Brown role. And like I said, you have Evans, you have Godwin. 
one of the best tandems in the league in terms of wideouts, but Godwin's hurt. I mean, he's going to be coming back from that ACL tear. Is he going to be full strength for week one? Is he going to be ready for week one? Or might we see Gage have increased value in the first month or so of the season step into that number two role in this offense. There's also the Rob Gronkowski situation. You assume that with Brady back in Tampa, Gronk will be soon to follow, but that's not a guarantee. Gronk is flirted in the offseason here. He mentioned the Bengals as a possibility, maybe even the Bills. So who knows? He could go somewhere else. If I was guessing, I would say he's going to end up in Tampa. But still, even with Gronk there last year, Antonio Brown had some really big games, some great production. You would imagine Gage is going to be deployed out of the slot. Brady will take advantage of him there for sure. So I'm looking at him as a wide receiver four with the potential to be a top 24 option in the opening month, maybe longer if Godwin is slowed or if he remains sidelined in the early part of the season. Now, number four on my list we could just look at the entire Jag spending spree. I mean, we normally don't talk too much about defense on here. They added a bunch of guys on defense. They added an all-pro guard in Brandon Sheriff. He's going to be on the offensive line now. And then we're looking at skill position players for fantasy. They go out, they sign wide receiver Christian Kirk, and they sign tight end Evan Ingram. Now, you could debate all day long the amount of money that they paid for these guys. I mean, Ingram's sort of a one-year prove-it deal. Kirk's contract, you might think that it's a little much, but we don't care. We don't care about the money here. We're just looking at this from what is their fantasy value going to be? And in this offense, I don't know that we can feel that confident about either guy based on what we saw from Trevor Lawrence last year. We're going to need to see Lawrence really take his game to the next level. And adding pieces like this will certainly help. I mean, when you look at Kirk from the standpoint of can he be the number one there, you look at the depth chart, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Cheneau, who seems like an afterthought. He seems like he's sliding down the depth chart. I don't know what's going on there. I still think he's a talented player. Maybe they need to let him go, trade him away, and we'll see what he can do in another offense. They also added Zay Jones, and I don't want to talk too much about Zay Jones here. I think we know what he is at this point, and he is not a guy that is going to make big contributions to your fantasy lineup, but Kirk could. I mean, we could see a situation where Kirk emerges as the number one here. You look at what he did last year. I mean, he had a few seasons with the Cardinals where he flashed, but really didn't put it together consistently over long stretches. You look at last year, what he did, I mean, 77 catches, 982 yards, five touchdowns. Really, that was helped by the fact that DeAndre Hopkins missed seven games last season. So what would have happened if Hopkins was there for the whole year? Regardless, I think there's a good shot that Kirk's going to rise to the top of the depth chart in Jacksonville, just based on the competition he has. Marvin Jones, someone I've liked for a while, but he's going to be 32 years old this year. And then Cheneau, it just seems like they've soured on him. I still think he can be a good player in the league, but doesn't seem like that's going to happen in Jacksonville. So we look ahead. I think Kirk's somebody who could be that wide receiver three with some upside for you. I'm not willing to go any higher than this at the moment, but there is the potential for him to become a wide receiver too, if everything goes his way in Jacksonville. And then Ingram, I like the fact that it's a one-year prove-it deal. I think he's a guy that maybe needs a little bit of fire lit under him this year. So fresh start, new city, new team, coming off the worst season of his NFL career, 408 yards and three touchdowns. Still one of the most athletic players at his position in the league, though, can be a real force if he's deployed properly in the passing game. 
And Lawrence, he did seem to like throwing to his tight ends as a rookie. He had a group of journeymen last year, Dan Arnold, James O'Shaughnessy, Jacob Hollister, and they combined for a 37.5% target share. So it doesn't take much to sneak into the low end tight end one ranks, maybe just a nice touchdown total. I don't know that we'll see that from Ingram, but I think he's going to be in that high end tight end two conversation with a chance to get up into that tight end one range, that back half of the, the tight end one group. Now, number five on my list, the Lions signing DJ Shark. Talk about guys who are just on these one-year prove-it deals. That's all Shark got with the Lions. Could be an interesting fit, but one that for fantasy, I don't love. In real life, he gives them a field stretcher. That's something they desperately need. So that will be great for the Lions. For fantasy, though... We're going to pair him up with Jared Goff, who is a conservative passer. I mean, he's a guy that's fairly hesitant to take chances downfield. I think Chark will be able to stretch the field a little bit, draw defenses away from the line of scrimmage. But Goff is then just going to use that opportunity to pepper some of the shorter and intermediate routes with Amonra St. Brown and TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, right? I think that's what we're going to see in this offense. Chark is somebody, it's been a couple of years, but he does have that thousand yard season eight touchdowns that year in 2019 that's on his resume so he is capable of that in the pros he's just faded since then right and he's currently working his way back from that broken ankle that cost him 13 games last season but he's 25 years old so there's still a lot of career ahead of him if he can come back healthy and if he can use this prove it contract to show the league really what he can do i'm still going to look at him for fantasy as more of that inconsistent field stretcher who's matched up with a quarterback that really doesn't fit with his skill set. I think his presence too, when you look at that offense, they want to be run heavy. Now they're not going to be able to, because they're going to be trailing in a lot of games, but when they can, they want to be run heavy and there's just going to be more target competition there. Now, when you talk about Hawkinson being healthy more this year, Swift being healthy, Chark being there in the offense. So that's a problem. They also brought back Khalif Raymond. Not that I think that makes a huge impact. I think he's going to be more of a special teams player for them, but just another pair of hands who could catch a few balls, who could get a few targets and kind of pull that away from some of the other guys that we like a little more in this offense. So right now, I like what the Lions are doing. Swift is really probably going to be the only player when you look at ADPs that I'm going to want to take a shot on in this offense though number six Bills sign jd mckissick my bills now couple things with this one great real life signing and i'm not just putting the rose colored glasses on because i'm a bills fan i think this is a great move buffalo continues each year to kind of add another piece or two on offense and another piece or two on defense but we don't need to talk about that right now but they're continuing to add some weapons for josh allen and mckissick What he brings to the table as a pass catcher out of the backfield, it's exactly what Buffalo needs right now. I mean, McKissick, 157 receptions over the last three years, should be able to do more in that area than Devin Singletary and and Zach Moss did with their 63 combined catches a year ago. And this is the kind of signing that it's not going to get a ton of headlines. McKissick isn't going to come in and steal the starting job or anything like that. Just a new element in that Buffalo offense something else that they could use. And it hurts Singletary for sure. What we saw down the stretch last year from Singletary, we are not going to see that again. I would imagine he will go into the season as the lead back, but we're going to see McKissick steal a lot of that pass catching value that he had, just like we saw happen in Washington with Antonio Gibson. And now 
Antonio Gibson really benefits from this. He's the one that's going to be freed up. He's the one that we talked about him a lot as a breakout candidate last year. He had a good season, not a great season. Maybe with McKissick out of the way, we could see Gibson put up that top five kind of campaign. And if you listen to the show, you heard me talk about this last summer, the potential for Gibson, what he can do. He has the skill set to be that Christian McCaffrey kind of back, to be that top five fantasy producer. Maybe he'll get a chance to do it. I know the reports around Washington are that they're going to get another back, but maybe instead of getting a pass catching back, they're going to look at more of an early down guy, just somebody who could take a little bit of the workload away from Gibson on those early downs, but not someone that's really going to hurt him the way that McKissick did the last couple of years. So that's great for Gibson's value. It hurts Singletary, who falls now more into that RB3 range. And McKissick, he'll also flirt with RB3 production. When you're talking about PPR leagues, he can get up into that range. He's not going to have a lot of touchdown scoring, but definitely a great addition for the Bills and definitely a great addition. If you're somebody who has Antonio Gibson on a dynasty team at a keeper league, you gotta love that McKissick is now out of the way on another team and you don't have to worry about him sapping Gibson's value any longer. Speaking of the Bills, we'll stick with them. Number seven, the Steelers signing former Bills backup one year in the system, Mitch Trubisky going to Pittsburgh to potentially be their starter. Now, the money isn't huge here, but there's a lot of incentives in there that if he wins a starting job, if he plays a certain number of games, we will see the money get a little bit bigger there. So that's one of those instances where the contract can tell us a little bit of something, but they don't really have another option. Mason Rudolph is not the answer for them. So Trubisky is going to come in and have a shot to be the starter there. We just don't know at this point, is it going to be a, a great redemption story for Trubisky? Is it going to be just an embarrassment and he's going to struggle again like he did in Chicago? I mean, he had several years as the starter in Chicago where he never really put it together after being the second overall pick in that 2017 draft. Goes to Buffalo for his fifth season, gets to sit in a quality system around a, a good culture, gets to learn from Josh Allen, and apparently that one-year stint in Buffalo made him very attractive around the league because he immediately gets a, a job where he's got a shot to start here in Pittsburgh. Now, you look at the weapons that they have on that offense in terms of Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth. They've made some additions on the offensive line here. It's really a, a good spot for a free agent quarterback to go. So Trubisky's going to have every opportunity to succeed here. He's now away from Matt Nagy. If you want to blame Matt Nagy, and make him the reason that Trubisky didn't uh, excel in his first stint as a starter. Well, now he's going to have a shot with a good organization. They also have a great defense. This is just setting up for Trubisky to potentially resurrect his career here. And when you're talking about fantasy, he brings a little bit to the table as a runner as well. His best season on the ground, 421 yards, three touchdowns back in 2018. That made him the QB 11 in points per game that year. So something to keep in mind, the potential is there. Do I expect that Mitch Trubisky is going to be a QB one in fantasy? Not in a million years. I don't see him as anything more than an average QB two at best, a guy who could be a bi-week replacement for you in good matchups, but his greatest contribution is going to come by keeping these other stars in this offense afloat, keeping them producing something that I think he's probably going to be capable of doing based on what we saw from Ben Roethlisberger the last couple of years and how much he faded. Trubisky might actually be an upgrade on the last version of Big Ben that we saw out there. 
Number eight, and we're getting a little farther down in terms of the signings here, but I mentioned it before, Deonta Foreman joining the Panthers. Now, that might be one that you just completely gloss over, but Foreman was a guy that I was monitoring really closely. I was curious where he was going to go. Is he going to get a starting job somewhere? It's been a long road back for him. I mean, he had that torn Achilles, missed the majority of three seasons, and then last year, when Derrick Henry went down, the Titans go out, they signed Foreman, and he stepped into that power back role, and he absolutely crushed it. I mean, it took him a couple weeks to really establish himself, but from week 12 on, he kind of was the, the fuel in that Titans offense. 80 yards from scrimmage and or a touchdown in each of his final six appearances. He was the RB23 in fantasy points per game from week 12 on. In Carolina, I look at him as the favorite now to be Christian McCaffrey's backup, somebody who could take some carries away from McCaffrey to try to keep him healthy. We've watched McCaffrey get hurt two seasons in a row here, so maybe Foreman's presence can help him a little bit. If McCaffrey gets hurt again, all of a sudden Foreman would have another opportunity in the starting role. He could be an RB2 for fantasy. And then there's also the looming potential that if the Panthers make a trade for Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey might be a part of that deal. They might have to trade McCaffrey to someone else in order to get some picks to make a package that would get Watson. A lot of things in play here. Not 100% for sure that Christian McCaffrey is going to be on the Panthers this year. I would expect that he will be, but no guarantees. And if by chance McCaffrey goes elsewhere, Foreman is somebody that I think is very intriguing as a top 24 fantasy back. Number nine, the Colts keeping Mo Alley Cox. This is one that every single year we talk about Alley Cox as somebody who could blow up for fantasy, incredibly athletic, just a huge dude out there on the field. And again, I think we're going to see the hype train continue this year. Now, they also have sophomore Kylan Granson, who he got some hype last year before the season. We don't normally see rookies do much. Sometimes it takes tight ends a couple years here before they kind of find their rhythm in the pros. So maybe he won't be ready yet this year. I know there's been some reports that the Colts have been flirting with some free agent tight ends, that they had talked to Evan Ingram, a Jared Cook potentially as well. And remember, Jack Doyle's out of the picture. So if they want to give Mo Ali Cox a real shot at this job, he could be a tight end too with some upside in that offense. And then rounding us out here at number 10, James White going back to the Patriots. And this one, it's kind of like a more minor version of the McKissick deal. I mean, you look at White as somebody that has been able to produce for fantasy and PPR leagues, not somebody that you feel super confident in, but he can be that stopgap either early in the season or if you need a couple weeks for an injury or you need a bye week fill-in. He can be that kind of guy in your lineup. So a nice depth piece, not somebody that's going to help you win a championship though. And him going back to the Patriots, I really don't love it, not for his value and not for the value of Damian Harris or Ramondre Stevenson. I was kind of hoping we we're going to go into the season and have Harrison Stevenson be that two-man combo in that backfield. Because remember, White, before he got hurt last year, first couple games of the season, 12 catches, 94 receiving yards over those first two weeks and really was that safety valve for Mac Jones. I believe he had six catches in each game. So really getting used a lot there. It's going to be really hard to project the, the weekly outlooks for these backs in the Patriots backfield, but that's been the case for a long time when we're talking about New England backs. So not a, a huge surprise there, but I think that one will have some impact on how people approach Harris 
and Stevenson in fantasy. So I thought that was worth mentioning. I'll throw out one more bonus one just because I didn't have a chance to talk about it late last week. The trade went down on Friday. Amari Cooper to the Browns. And we can't really grade this one until we know who's going to be playing quarterback for Cleveland this year because there's a big difference between Mayfield and Deshaun Watson. I'd be much more interested in Cooper if Deshaun Watson chose Cleveland to play this year. But remember the reason why we hated the Cleveland move for Odell Beckham. The offense there is built around the run. When they pass, they like to spread the ball around. So we're going to see Cooper continue to be pretty inconsistent, I think. And now he's going to be doing it in a worse passing attack. So he's more of a high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside in Cleveland. And even as we're talking about the Browns, some news just coming down. They're going to release tight end Austin Hooper. I don't know that that'll have a big impact on Cooper's value, but Hooper out of the way. They kept David Njoku on the franchise tag. They have Harrison Bryant, young tight end there as well. So they're really set at the position. That release makes David Njoku kind of interesting, puts him up into that tight end two range with a chance to be something even more. So a guy that I'll definitely be taking some late round shots on for sure. We're talking about this Cooper trade though. The real winners are on the Dallas side. I mean, CeeDee Lamb is going to have a chance to have a massive target share in Dallas now. They're bringing back Michael Gallup on a new deal. They're bringing back Dalton Schultz with the franchise tag, but Lamb, the unquestioned top dog there now, and that comfortably puts him inside the top 10 for me with a chance to crack the top five. If everything goes his way, he's the kind of talent, if he gets the volume, he could put up top five fantasy production. Gallup, a little tougher to project just because the ACL tear, so will he be healthy at the start of the season? Once he is back in the field and ready to go, he's going to be in the low-end wide receiver two conversation as well. I think he's somebody that's extremely underrated, and we're going to get to see him spread his wings now that Cooper's gone. And then Schultz, very intriguing. I mean, after the top four or five tight ends, you can make a strong case that Schultz deserves to be the next man up in the tight end fantasy rankings. The bigger question for the Cowboys, though, for me, and this is something I'm going to be paying attention to all offseason, and I mentioned it last year on the show for sure, is that they're kind of transitioning, at least last year at times, to more of that Brown-style attack where they're leaning on their run and their defense. Their defense got much better. Dak didn't need to just throw the ball all around the yard anymore. They were able to just grind out some games. That's what we saw last year. So I'm hoping that trend doesn't continue, but it is something worth monitoring because that could cap the ceilings as some of those secondary pieces in Dallas for sure. And it could also prevent Dak Prescott from really challenging for a spot in the top five amongst fantasy quarterbacks. But right now, I have him more as that mid to low end QB1 heading into this season. I think that's where we have to value him at this point. We know what the upside is for him. We know what the ceiling can be. But right now, based on what we saw from that offense last year, I don't think they're going to throw as much as they did a couple years ago. And also, there's just a lot of good fantasy quarterbacks near the top. So the competition is going to be pretty fierce this year, which is another reason why you shouldn't spend up on quarterbacks and why you should consider switching your league to two quarterback or super flex formats. If you haven't already, I've been pushing that one for a while, but hopefully you already listened to me. If not, try to make that happen this offseason. We could definitely talk more about that as the offseason moves along, though. We got to keep our focus on free agency right now. And that's why... We're going to be watching to see where some of these big names left on the market end up. I mean, a quarterback, the trade thing, I mean, the Watson situation, that's probably holding things up. Once we get Watson on a new team, we should see Jimmy Garoppolo move soon after. We might also see Mayfield or Matt Ryan traded if Watson goes to Cleveland or Atlanta. And then once those dominoes fall, 
Then we're going to see the top free agent quarterback sign, I'd imagine. So Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, maybe even Ryan Fitzpatrick or Andy Dalton for some of those more desperate teams. But I'm much more curious where Winston and Mariota end up. At running back, Leonard Fournette, probably a strong candidate to return to Tampa with Brady and company. But we're also waiting on Melvin Gordon, Rashad Penny. Sony Michelle, Cordero Patterson, Ronald Jones. To a lesser degree, we could even throw veterans like Raheem Mostert and Jarek McKinnon. Could throw them in there because they could cause problems. Whatever backfield they end up in, they're going to be guys who could steal some touches there. So it could be trouble. At receiver, the biggest name still out there, definitely Allen Robinson. There's some talk. Maybe he could be waiting to see what happens with Watson. You'd have to think Will Fuller's in the same boat. He's keeping a close eye on that situation. Just based on his history with Watson and Houston. We also have Odell Beckham, who he might be struggling to find a home right now just because he tore his ACL in the Super Bowl. So he's not going to be available till later in the season, I would imagine. Juju Smith-Schuster, somebody who we talked about on last week's show. I'm not a huge fan for his fantasy outlook, regardless of where he ends up, but I would imagine he's hoping to get a fresh start outside of Pittsburgh. And then don't forget Jarvis Landry, still sitting out there too. He got released by the Browns. He can sign with anybody now. And then tight ends. Most of the top names got franchise tagged, but Gronk is still out there as a free agent. You'd have to think he's going to end up back with Brady and the Bucks. Gerald Everett, he's looking for a new home after the Seahawks got Noah Fant, the Russell Wilson trade. And then inexplicably, they paid Will Disley a bunch of money to stick around in Seattle. I have no idea what was going on with that one. Disley's had some injuries, not the same player that we saw early in his career. Fant definitely going to be the, the top tight end there. We also have OJ Howard still out there, Robert Tunyon, Ty Conklin, Jared Cook, who I mentioned earlier. There's no shortage of free agent tight ends who could end up being fantasy relevant in the right spot. So we'll keep our eye on them over the next week or so. But that's all for today's show. Make sure you check out those daily free agency recaps that I'm doing over at The Score. I'll also have updated depth charts, new versions of the redraft rankings, and the dynasty trade value charts. Those will come out soon as well once we get a few more of these signings and some of the trades going down. And we're definitely going to be back next week with another episode, but we might have to do an extra episode Friday. We'll see. If we get a flurry of signings and if Watson gets moved, We'll probably do another show later this week. Until then, though, big thanks to the national reporters and to the beat writers just doing a great job covering free agency, getting us all the news, all the rumors. We obviously crave this stuff, and we definitely appreciate it. A big thanks to everybody out there for listening, and we will see you next time. Said leave on time, my baby said leave on time. Leave on time with me.